0: From the book, Coming to Believe, Chapter 2. It is certain that all recipients of spiritual experiences declare for their reality. Again, it is certain that all recipients of spiritual experiences declare for their reality. The best evidence of that reality is in the subsequent fruits. Those who receive these gifts of grace are very much changed people, almost invariably for the better. Bill W. Let's pray. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Our first story is called, He Had Been Listening. In my early youth, I was confronted with a choice, what seemed to be a dull moral life or what appeared to be an exciting, adventurous life after a few drinks of alcohol. I had been brought up in the tradition of a stern and vengeful God who was watching every move I made. I could not work up too much love for that type of deity, and I felt guilty about it. But after a drink or two, I would forget my guilt. This I decided was the life for me. It started off pleasantly enough promoting dreams of glitter, fame, and fortune. But this life gradually regressed to a constant nightmare of fear and remorse over my condition and resentment and anger at a normal way of life, which went on all around me, but which apparently I could not enter. The truth was that I drank myself out of society, coming by degrees to live in a mental state that sealed off any social or moral contact with anybody. But at that time, I could not see my excessive drinking as the cause. I had become convinced that God and society had frozen me out, denying me the breaks in life. I could see no sense in living. I lacked the courage to kill myself But I believe that desperation would have broken this barrier of cowardice had it not been for an experience that changed my mental outlook entirely. This experience came about through the death of my father in Scotland. He had lived a good life in his community and was honored in his passing by all who had known him. I had received newspapers giving accounts of his funeral. That evening I was seated at a small table in a crowded tavern, drunk and brooding over what I had read. I felt no sorrow over my father's passing. Hate and envy saturated my mind, and I was martyred to myself. I muttered, why should he and other people get all the breaks in life, while good men like me don't get a chance? What a rotten deal I'm getting. People would love and honor me, too, if I had the chances in life he had. In the tavern the noise of conversation was defiant defying but suddenly I heard a voice in my mind ring out loud and clear. What accounting are you going to give to God of your life? I looked around astounded for it was my grandmother's voice. She had passed from this life and out of my thoughts for over 20 years earlier. This was her favorite quotation. I had heard her say often in my youth and now I heard it again in the tavern she said what accounting are you going to give to God for your life as soon as I heard this voice my mind cleared up and I knew beyond all doubt that no other person nor any situation was responsible for my state I alone was responsible the effects were shattering first I had heard that voice and then my whole excuse for my failure in life that I had never got any breaks was wiped out of my mind forever. The thought hit me that if I kill myself as I wanted to, there was a chance that I might meet up with God and have to give Him an account of the life I lived, with no one else to blame for it. I wanted no part of that, and the idea of killing myself was dropped then and there, but the thought that I I might die at any time remained. Remained to haunt me All this was crazy I thought But no matter how much I argued with myself That I was having a hallucination I could not dismiss the implication of the experience I could visualize myself being brought before a stern looking deity Who would coldly look down on his nose at me with utter contempt And say grimly Speak up That was as far as my imagination would carry me And from then on, I would get blind drunk trying to blot out the whole experience. But when I came to in the morning, the experience would still be with me, strong as ever. I thought I had better quit drinking for a while and start to reshape my life. This resolution led to a terrible shock. Up to this time, I have never tied in my troubles with alcohol. I knew that I drank too much, but I had always felt that I had good reason to drink. Now I found to my amazement and honor, horror, that I could not quit. Drinking had become such a part of my life that I could not function without it. I did not know where to turn for help. Believing that God, believing that people thought about me the way I thought about them, I was sure I could not turn to them. This left only God. And if He felt about me as I felt about Him, this was a slim hope indeed. In this manner i passed through the three blackest months of my life during that time it seemed i drank more and than i ever had before i prayed to nothing for help to get away from alcohol one morning i came to on the floor in my room horribly sick convinced that god was not going to listen to me more on reflect than anything else i got to work that morning and attempted to make up a prayer roll though it was hard to hold my shaking hands still enough to put the figures in the right place after a great deal of trouble i finally completed the job with a sigh of relief i looked out the window and i noticed a man approaching the hut i was working in as i recognized him hate surged into my mind seven months before he had the the to ask me in front of the other man if I was having trouble with my drinking. And I had been deeply insulted by his question. I had not seen him for months, but my hatred of him was alive and vital as he passed by the hut. Then something happened that has never ceased to amaze me. As he moved out of sight everything went blank the next thing i knew i was standing before him outside the hut hearing myself asking whether he would help me to stop drinking if i had consciously decided to ask any individual for help he would have been the last man i would have approached he smiled and said that he would try to help me and he brought me to the aa recovery program in thinking all this over it finally became obvious to me that the god i thought had judge and damn and me had done nothing of the sort he had been listening and in his own good time he answered the answer came his answer was threefold the opportunity for a life of sobriety twelve steps of recovery <coughs> twelve steps to practice in order to attain and maintain the life of sobriety fellowship within the program, ever ready to sustain and help me each 24-hour day. He had been listening and this was his good time and good answer when it came. I had no illusion that I brought the AA program of recovery into my life. I must always consider it is a gift of opportunity and the use of this opportunity thus Unus is on me. St. John's Newfoundland. Amen. Okay, our next story is, is comes from, from AA Internationalist. This was before the internet age where people would write in their recovery all over the world. Now we do it on Zoom. Here we go a presence i am a radio officer on a tanker and the final revelation of my condition and his cure came while i was sitting alone in my stateroom with my favorite bottle i asked god for help out loud although only my ears could hear suddenly there was a presence in the room bringing a peculiar warmth a changed soft shade of light and an immense feeling of relief Though I was sober enough, I said to myself, you're drunk again, and I went to bed. In the morning, however, in broad daylight, the presence was still there. I was not hungover either. I realized that I had asked and I had received. From that time on, I had no alcohol. Whenever I get the urge, I think of that which happened to me, and it keeps me straight from AA Internationalists. Our next story is a place where I like to visit It's called Edmonton, Alberta. Years ago in the 1980s, they told us to put some wild goals on the map. And I had read an article on the Reader's Digest about Alberta. So I said I, I want to own a house in Alberta. So I want to own five houses in my lifetime. I put one in Alberta. So <clears throat> Edmonton it is. <laughs> The story, this story is called Fresh Snow. Exposed to the fellowship of AA for over six years, I had known in that time three relapses, brutal and dismal episodes. Each increased my self-abasement and hopelessness. Sober once again, settled into a minor job, I learned that there was a satisfaction in the accomplishment of even menial tasks and that humility, applied as teachability and the search for truth could be a higher power in disguise. Then unexpectedly I was offered an executive job involving many responsibilities. I could answer only, I have to think about it. Was I capable of staying sober? Was I really sober or only dry? Could I handle responsibilities and and cope with renewed successes? Or would God permit me to punish myself again? I called the woman friend who I was sponsoring. We talked it over, and she believed I could and should take the offer. Her fate reassured me I knew the stimulation of being able to feel dignity again and gratification just to be alive. This newfound sense remained with me throughout the AA meeting we attended that evening. The subject under discussion was step 11, saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Home in the privacy of my room, I had another shock, a letter, letter from my sister. I had seen her last in a sheriff's office where she had regretfully ended the family's long effort to help me. Even our prayers seem hopeless, she said. So I'll leave you to fend for yourself. Now came her letter, pleading to know where, where and how I was. Looking out the window at the soot and dirt of the rooftop and then inside and in meanness of my room, I thought with bitterness Yes, indeed, if only they could see me now. The saving grace was that I had nothing more to lose and not to ask from anyone, or had I. All my youthful ideas have been wasted, washed away by alcohol. Now all the dreams and aspirations, family positions, everything I had once known came back to jeer at me. I remember hiding behind the trees in front of my former home to see my children go by the window, phoning my family just to hear family voices say, hello, hello, who's there before I hung up? Sitting down on the bed, I picked up the letter and read it again and again. In my anguish, I could stand no more. Desperately, I cried, O oh God, did you desert me or did I desert you? How much time went by, I don't know. Rising, I seemed to be drawn to the window. I beheld a transformation. The smut of that industrial city had disappeared under a covering of fresh snow. Everything was new and white and clean. Falling to my knees, I renewed that conscious contact with my God I had known as a boy. I didn't pray. I just talked. I didn't think. I just unburdened a heavy heart and a lost soul. I didn't think. I only begged for help. That night, finally at peace with myself for the first time in years, I slept the whole night through the end, awakened without fear and dread of another day. Continuing my prayers of the night before, I said, I'll take the job, but dear God, let's you and I play it together from now on. While some days may offer only a modicum of frantic serenity, 26 year, years later, I still know the same inner tranquility that comes with forgiveness of self and the acceptance of God's will. Each new morning, there is fate and sobriety, sobriety not as mere abstinence from alcohol, but as progressive recovery in every facet of my life. With my AA friends, my wife for 25 years now, I have joined my family for a joyous reunion. We know a content and happy life in which my sister and all the family share renewed and stronger bonds of affections. Since that day, I trust and I'm trusted. Edmonton, Alberta. Reading from the book, Came to Believe. Let's go ahead and open it with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Stay. Don't go nowhere. We're reading from Came to Believe, Spiritual Progress, Section 9. Bill W. said, We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. That's what this next section entails. Our first letter is from Albany, Australia. It's called Destinations. Only 12 steps. In a day when we are exposed to fantastic statistics, a mere dozen doesn't seem to rate much. But what is involved in the 12 steps makes a a great difference. I can remember how thrilled my wife and I were when we saw each of our twins take the first step at 11 months. And soon it was two steps, then three steps, then four. And in no time at all, there was no way of counting the steps they had taken. They were free, free to go on and on and on. The first step is very important, whether it is the first step of a beloved child learning to walk or the first step taken by a man on his way to a new life. Looking into my little one's faces, I can see the same qualities that we need for the 12 steps of AA, daring to take everything on the attempt, a sense of direction to be followed with no swerving, no detour, decision. To move forward without hesitation or reservation. Determination to make it all the way. Destination, a full life, a free life, a serene life. Again, the 12 steps of AA have to be approached by being daring. To take everything on the attempt. A sense of direction to be followed with no swerving. No detour. Decision to move forward without hesitation or reservation. Determination to make it all the way. Destination, a full life, a free life, a serene life. Our next story is called Totally Free. After 11 years of sobriety, one day at a time, I have groaning, I have groaning growing awareness of how incredibly blessed I am. At first, it was all I could manage to stay sober that one day. I never allowed myself an excuse to miss an AA meeting, and I read all the AA conference-approved literature. I could buy or borrow. I also read other publications, such as William James, the variety of religious experiences, because Bill W. did. I read several daily devotionals and still do, including my precious 24 hours a day. I attended confirmation classes in my church to review the Christian teaching of my youth, from which I had become far removed. Growth and understanding came slowly, but they came steadily and finally. I could feel gratitude for my sobriety, for the saving grace of God. Now I feel totally free. Because I know the truth about myself, I learned about people in AA and this brought me to an understanding of myself. I know that spiritual growth is a great, wide, beautiful thing and that I have only stepped up to the open door. By going to meetings and rubbing elbows with the new people in AA, I find they have much to teach me. Their problems are a little different and They haven't experienced the awful isolation that many of us older folks did. But they are better informed. They are more knowledgeable. And I suspect they are smarter because they learn faster. Perhaps they don't have as far to go to get to well as we did. But their path is more cluttered. And the way isn't as clear. So it is still the same struggle for all of us. And we need each other. We need each other's experience, strength, and hope regardless of age or length or sobriety. The saving grace of God doesn't come like a bolt out of the blue. It comes through in and from other suffering as well as rescued souls like you and me. I am happy to be part of the living and growing fellowship with an infallible heartbeat. Divine power is the pulse of AA and it doesn't change no matter how errant and foolish we morals could be. Bismarck, North Dakota. Our next letter is entitled, The Wonders of Discoveries. I wanted to be the most successful member of my AA group, but it was a long time before I could think clearly. I stayed sober largely through fear and the thrill of trying to carry the message. I would talk frequently and at length on the value of working the steps and living this new way of life. Unfortunately, that's all I did about it, just talked. I did not really attempt to take the steps. Instead, I tried to find spiritual help and peace of mind through my church. For this activity, I felt certain that I would be rewarded with good health and happiness. It didn't work. Although I never took another drink, my general health declined. I became highly nervous and tense as a result. An ulcer, high blood pressure, and acute neurosis finally took me to the hospital where I lay almost blind, crippled, and near death. Huh. After my doctors had determined the chief medical cause for my illness, they predicted that I would live after all. Then I had much time to think and to meditate. I've reviewed my entire life the years before AA and the 12 years in AA, somehow I felt free to look objectively at what I had been and what I had become. For the first time in my life, it grew quite clear to me that I was an utter complete 100% die in the wool louse. I was so self-centered, so full of ego that I had all but destroyed myself. During the years in AA, I had learned little more than to keep the plug in the jug. I had neglected to try to work all the 12 steps of the program. But it occurred to me that now God had twice saved me from self-destruction. I began to feel a sense of real gratitude, and I tried to thank Him. I had a strong feeling that God had spared me for a purpose, to express my gratitude I wanted to spend the rest of my life trying to help someone else. And I knew that one of the best places to work was in the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous without my old shallow ideas of success. I discovered the satisfaction of helping to arrange the chairs for a meeting or of cleaning the ashtrays. Soon I discovered that AA service work can be most rewarding and I love doing it. Yes, I did go back and start all over the 12 steps, and I felt, the wonderful, I felt the wonder of other discoveries about myself and my higher power. I would have felt this years ago, but I had followed the program, and had I been, as the big book states, willing to go any length to get it. AA today affords me the privilege of being at ease in a world of normal people. It gives me the opportunity to try to live and work in my church and community and perhaps in these areas too. Offer a small contribution towards making things just a little bit better for those yet to come. Cordell, Oklahoma. Evidence of a Miracle. My alcoholism was not far advanced when I first sought the help of AA. But the effects of 30 years of drinking were there, and my spiritual life was at a low ebb. All desire to drink left me at my first meeting, and believing, I took to the program with enthusiasm, minded the slogans, went to meetings, made friends, and carried the message as I understood it then. Shortly after joining AA, I underwent a religious conversion. I had been a Christian just nominally. About as ill-informed on spiritual matters in general as one can imagine. Upon truly discovering Christianity, I studied theology in its many branches, became a lay member of a religious order, and was a daily communicant. I felt secure, so I drifted away from the fellowship, no longer participating in meetings, lost track of my AA friends, and became extremely busy. When I took a drink, after 13 years of sobriety, I am sure I had in mind that AA will still be there if the result proved dire. Surprisingly, the whiskey had no apparent effect. For a couple of years after that, I would have an occasional drink. My life situation was entirely different from what it had been 15 years before. Gradually deceiving myself skillfully, I became convinced that I had been mistaken about my alcoholism. For a few years, I managed to appear to be a social drinker. There were portents to the contrary, but I ignored them. I cherished my illusion of control. The deterioration of my spiritual life was slow. The physical and mental effects were not especially noticeable for quite a while. Inevitably, the time came when I faced the fact that I could neither cut down on the considerable amount I was drinking, nor could I stop. In desperation, I had myself hospitalized. My chart read, acute alcoholism, and I suffered all the symptoms, including hallucinations. Yet, after release, I continued to drink, completely obsessed. One day, my doctor suggested that I go into the hospital again. I said I would think about it. A friend came for tea that day. My tea was more than half vodka, and said, Just in passing, you know, dear, it isn't worth it. Just that. After she left, the words, it isn't worth it, kept running through my mind. The next morning, I phoned the local AA Intergroup office and asked for a meeting list. I have have not had a drink since that day. Now I see how monumental my self-deception was. During that first 13 years, my sobriety was not at the high quality it seemed to be. During the two years that followed, I actually convinced myself that it was a privilege to be able to drink. When I returned to AA, its precepts seemed entirely new to me, particularly the full meaning of the f- first step, the atom bomb of the program. Instead of taking the steps and forgetting them, This time, I began living them daily, finding new meaning in each one. What I have come to believe is profound and my concept and understanding of the program are quite different from what they were before. My AA way of life now demands constant action and active self-honesty and recognition of the necessity for living in in day-tight compartments. Patience must be practiced. In gratitude, I must humbly... Come to believe every moment of every day. Each day I must surrender and rededicate my life, or I shall lose all that I have gained. I have always believed in God, but I must never again forget how easy it is to lose contact and to become again unsane. I sought my soul, but my soul I could not see. I sought my God, but my God eluded me. I sought my brother, and I found all three. We find our brothers in the fellowship, and therein lies spiritual strength. Your your understanding of God may be quite different from mine, but we may agree, I think, that there is a Holy Spirit pervading AA meetings, and that the sobriety of each and every one of us is evidence of a miracle. A miracle is defined as an event that appears unexplained and so is held to be supernatural in origin. An act of God. This I accept. David Stewart had written, A miracle is an astonishing action emerging from the concerted effort of God and a person. I agree. And in AA, a person becomes many people. AA succeeds because one and all, We have a common goal toward which we are all working mental, emotional, and spiritual growth. Through love and service, once we become to believe, we are given the opportunity to work towards this goal. For me, coming to believe is not a one-time experience. It is an action to be performed daily as long as I live and grow. New York, New York. Our next story is from Akron, Ohio. Only one reason. I believe we are all sober and alive for only one reason. God has a job for us to do. I have also come to believe that I must please God first, myself second, and everybody else third. When I can live and feel that way, it isn't all all day every day things seem to work out when I try to run the show everything goes to hell Akron Ohio When I can live and feel that way and it isn't all day every day things seem to work out when I try to run the show everything goes to hell Akron Ohio Our next story is called The Central Experience. I make no claim that I know God in all its fullness, and I certainly don't feel that I understand God to any extent, but that there is a power beyond my personal will which can do wonderful, friendly things for me that I can't do for myself. This I know beyond all question. I have felt this marvelous healing power at work in my own being, And I have seen this miraculous effect of this mysterious, indefinable power in the lives of thousands and thousands of recovering alcoholics and addicts who are my friends in Alcoholics Anonymous. For over 20 years, I was an atheist or an agnostic. During that time, I became a helpless alcoholic and an empathic addict and a complete failure in all areas of my life. All of my horrible suffering was self-induced, and during those proud years, I often said, if God exists, let him give me a sign. I had quite forgotten that I was the one who had broken off the communications when I became very clear during my 17th year at that time, I set out to prove that there was no God, and for over 20 years, the confirmations of my opinion kept pouring in. So, the first thing that I came to understand about God is that He is very cooperative. It took me 20 years of suffering to learn this. The second thing I learned is that God is love. One of the saints says, Every man that loveth is born of God. It was my good fortune to spend my first day in AA with such a man. He attended three meetings with me that day and took me to his home for both lunch and dinner. I was bewildered and confused. I felt that if he had really known me, he would not have had me in his home. His love and acceptance alone did not bring me into the program. I had been offered love and encouragement, advice and understanding many times before, but this time I responded. We are not healed by love alone. But by our response to love, our understanding of God grows through our willing to respond to him. My sponsor said, pray if you can. Having no faith, whatever, thinking that prayer must be a kind of auto hypnotic play acting alone in my apartment. I got down on my knees like a little child and prayed to the unknown God. I said, God, take away my compulsion to drink and my compulsion to drink was removed, and it has not returned from day to this, that day. Without knowing how I had done it, I had surrendered to the power, and the power did for me what I could not do for my own will. I went to an AA meeting every night, and every night I prayed, and every night I had long, wonderful dream conversations with God. The central experience as I now often called it, was enfolding me and drawing me in a perfectly, as my disordered mind would permit. I had been giving real great gifts, the gift of faith and the confirmation of faith. And I became so excited that I couldn't make up my mind whether to found a new religion or run for Pope. For about three months, I went to meetings and prayed and dreamed and procrastinated. The pain cloud faded, and I began to feel very uncomfortable at times, and I was told that I was ready to do something about it, tidying up the refuse from the past. The next thing I learned about God is that fate works is dead. Fate without works is dead. Gradually, I began applying myself to step four through nine, and after about four years, the power of the past to hurt me was largely removed. I came to believe in a God who was merciful and forgiving, but not forgetful. And I have no desire to forget the past. My memories no longer fill me with shame and remorse. On the contrary, they fill me with gratitude and joy. My whole story is a sort of divine mystery to me. I don't know how an intelligent human being ever could have gotten into such a mess and the more firmly established insanity I become, the more amazed I am that I ever got out of that mess. Very early in my AA life, I realized that the experience of God and the concept of God had not been invented by AAs. For me, it was not enough merely to rely upon my own experiences and continue to repeat the words, God as I understand Him, at meetings. I rediscovered the God of the Bible largely through the practice of techniques described by Norman Vincent Peale in his book, The Power of Positive Thinking, 1952. I became confirmed in the church of my choice and made peace with the God of my childhood. I learned that the fearful God I had imagined as a child was really a God of love. But... The record of religious institutions generally began to appear to me more and more like my own, very high in promise and very low in performance. So I became interested in Christianity mystics, which led me into the study of techniques of deep meditation and comparative religions. I began to realize that so called mystics of whatever tradition, Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, Taoist, or Mohammedan, All ultimately talked the same language, and one way or another, they all described the same bliss, one behind the many, who could be directly known in deeper prayer and meditation. I began to meditate morning and evening, and the result was so startling that I felt the need for personal guidance. Vivid waking dreams and strange inner experiences made me a bit anxious about proceeding alone. I investigated the organization in Toronto, which taught meditation techniques and I choose the society which appealed to me the most. What opinions I may hold, what techniques I may use one year or five years from now, I have no way of knowing, but I have noticed during the past seven years that I have always been happiest when my commitment to AA and its 12 steps had been greater than my involvement in any other activity or group. In my present life, from day to day, I attempt to improve my understanding of God by responding to Him in three basic ways. By moving outwards into a positive action, by exercising my ability to choose positive thoughts, and by allowing myself to be drawn inward to positive beings. For me, positive action means consciously trying to act towards other people in accordance with the scriptural teachings in which I believe. Whether I feel like acting that way or not, I have found that it is much easier to act my way toward belief than it is to believe my way toward action. One of my daily action paths toward God is the path of fellowship in AA. The great tragedy of the addict is that of all the personality types, his is probably most in need of love. But gradually through his addiction, he becomes totally unlovable. The loving fellowship of AA began my recovery and I maintain daily contact with those who love me and understand me. For I needed almost as much now as when I attended my first meeting. Another sort of path toward God, which I try to follow every day, is the process of positive thinking. AA taught me that it is actually possible, though not always easy, to stop a negative or despairing train of thought. And by the use of a repeated slogan, recover a sense of gratitude, which permits me to begin a positive train of thought. The ultimate positive thought, of course, is God the word which affirms our faith that the universe is friendly to our being. Through prayer, I take the path of faith towards God. Every morning, I turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand Him. His inter- integrating power within me has gradually led me into a state of serenity and happiness, which I have had always considered impossible. Through deep meditation, I take the effortless path towards God. I meditate for half an hour every morning and evening. The purpose of transcendental deep meditation is to allow the attention to be led deep within the mind to the source of thought, which is experienced as blissful being, and to bring the the blissful nature of that state out into normal waking consciousness for enjoyment throughout the day. I have become more and more aware of the infinite expansion of happiness which is accessible within. The Upanishad part of the Hindu scripture concludes, From joy all things are born, by joy all things are sustained, to joy all things return. The more thoroughly I can surrender to this proposition, the more thoroughly I enjoy my life. Ultimately, my God, as I understand him, is joy, and the expansion is joy. From Toronto, Ontario. Our next story is called Another Houndsman. For years, my favorite literature was Homer, the Odyssey, because all life is a journey. The Iliad, because of a lot, all life is a battle, Now I ask myself, but need life be a homer seem to have seen it? Why should I be constantly journeying, running away from myself, constantly battling myself and resisting or resenting this life that God has granted me? Why not relax unless someone who is far more capable than I do, do the steering and the planning? From Seattle, Washington. I must learn. This story comes to us from Toronto, Ontario, again. I must learn. Many of our fellowship express our three stages of learning and growth this way. Many do. They say, I came, I came to, I came to believe. In my case, it was about three years before the third stage began over the years since, I believe I have experienced a gradual straightening and growth of frequency in my communication with God as I understand Him. Man is ready to die for an idea, provided that idea is not quite clear to him. Paul Elridge wrote, "This That is the way the spiritual side of the AA program appeared to me. I'm in trouble if I attempt to... Parse it. I don't attempt to understand it. These random notes represent the best I can do to put it into words. Cardinal Newman said, it is the very energy of thought which keeps thee from thy God. So it was with me, I think, the saying, let go and let God must have been written just for me. For me, God is the still, quiet voice I hear so many times each day saying, Roy, that wasn't good enough. I live alone, and once I was lonely, but now I can enjoy the rewards that come only in moments of solitude. I often protest against things that I look on as limitations and obstructions, but these could be the very things I need most. For what I call hindrances, obstacles, or discouragements are probably God's opportunities. As I try to grow in the AA program, I must occasionally remember when, but not in order to brood about the past. AA taught me how to deal with it, how to put it into proper place and perspective. I believe that I must learn, that I must let God teach me, that the only way to get rid of my past is to get a future out of it. God will waste nothing. Now that I am sober and have tried to turn my will and life over to care of God, I believe that the greatest gift I can bestow upon the world or upon any one group of persons or upon any person in the world is my own self. I think God gave each of us a unique personality so that we in turn might give it to others. Now I can give it with joy in life, warm, friendly, happy, sober. I believe that God made us all different for another reason. I am convinced that there is some one thing that I can do better than anyone else in the world. God thinks so, and he wants me to do it. Through the 12 steps, a good many AA members have found out that their assigned chores on earth are, and they are doing them. Thus, the 12 steps must continue to be more compelling to me and more binding on me than anything else that I encounter in life. For only through working on these steps can I get closer and closer to finding out God's intent for me. Perhaps God thinks that a very modest talk task in my community is all that I'm able capable of handling but it is there it is real and so with the help of my friends in AA I must search out what task is then with their help I must do it Toronto Ontario our next story is from New York New York called the source of strength A few years before coming to AA, I knew I was going crazy. I do remember crying out to God to help me. Somehow, I got the strength to leave my husband. I was afraid that one of my violent drunks, I would kill him or be killed by him. It was a long road from the moment to the time that I was able to get help and to know that God was in my life. I had the first glimmer of hope at my first AA meeting. My fear was that I might not have the disease of alcoholism. If I didn't, I knew I would never make it. Life had ceased to function for me in any normal way. My depression was paralyzing. AA seemed to present to me the direction and structure I had longed for. I began to have just the slightest motivation and just the slightest will to live. Through months of painful withdrawnness and hostility, I slowly began to find a voice within me that had to be heard. I forced myself to speak up at a meeting so I could prove to myself that I existed. Then I began to get some freedom, but I was not really connecting. I had found friends in AA and it became a family for me, but after a while, this wasn't enough. In facing life, for the first time, I was full of fear. I could discuss problems with these friends and with doctors, but there was an ingredient missing in my life. Always before, I had put myself in the hands of a man and made him the sole reason for my existence and my will to live. I knew that if I did this again, my dissolution would be harder to bear. I had to have my own will to live. And this, perhaps, is when I began to rely on God. Someone to protect me, someone who wouldn't possess me, someone I could silently talk to and pray to. Perhaps I became willing to believe. I would tell a friend of mine who was having the same problems that I prayed to God not to take a drink today and not to get married today. It was sort of a pact. I was very serious about this. I couldn't seem to handle romance and God too well at the same time. And God did start to give me the strength that I had always thought would come from the man in my life. I needed power each day because I, I get weary. But with AA as my structure and God as my source of strength, I can face life without taking a drink. I don't have to stare out of my window in total despair anymore. The ocean and the sun and the trees and all the fantastic beauty that God has created having finally became very real to me. I crave the need, the presence of nature. But I must also bear in mind that it is the spirit within me which comes from God that is going to be the healing force. I can turn to it wherever I am I want very much to share myself with another human being now I am afraid of taking that step but then I have been afraid of everything else too and now I know that it is possible to overcome fear New York, New York Our next story is called Change Believe Um When I arrived, trembling and terrified at my first meeting, I thought I no longer believed in anything. What a miracle that after one talk with my sponsor and one meeting, I could have hope in AA. This hope kept me coming to meetings and gradually grew into a true belief that AA had all the answers for me. If I would be willing and try, I could stay sober one day at a time. However, I found that this involved the effort to practice the program. Once my life in AA had been established, it became apparent that all 12 steps were important to my continuing sobriety. But I was stymied on the third step with its reference to the care of God. So I went around it knowing I must return to it and tackle the fourth step slowly and painfully. I became aware of myself I began to see it wasn't true that I didn't believe in anything. Rather, I had believed in the wrong things. I had believed I needed a drink for confidence. I had believed I was unattractive. I had believed I was unworthy. I had believed no one loved me. I had believed I will never had a break. I never had a break. Someone said at a closed meeting, there is good in all of us, Seek it out. Nurture it. tend it and it will flourish. So I began searching for the positive within me. I realized that my feelings of inferiority were just one aspect of ego and the arrogance I projected was the other. I must find the center medium. So I tried to act as if AA was giving me confidence. I tried to act as if I had an attractive personality even though I was not beautiful. So I had to act as if I was worthy like all the others. I loved myself and could therefore love others. I had to act as if fate was freeing me from the fear that had always gripped me. Now I believe at last, at least, that I could become whole with the tools of the AA program. Pursuing the steps, reading AA literature, asking questions at closed meetings, latching on to older AAs who had that mysterious quality of serenity. I discovered that all of those whom I emulated and admired had put the third step into their lives. I knew I wanted to do likewise. This necessity, this necessitated my finding a God or my own understanding, plus a willingness to let go. I realized that I must say, thy will be done, but who or what was this thy to me? I began to go back to review what had I come to believe. I had come to believe in the AA program. I had come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I had come to believe that I no longer needed a drink I had come to believe that I could grow to be a whole person. I had come to believe that fate could eliminate fear. I had come to believe that I could love myself and so love others. I had come to believe that love was the key. I have come to believe that there's no big deals and that God is in charge and a good belly laugh fixes all things. I have come to believe that laughter is a miracle taking place. With an open heart, I return to the third step and return my will and my life over to the care of God this time of my understanding. From Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Think, think, think. Thank you for allowing me to read these. Have a nice day. reading from a daily uh, book grapevine came to believe coming to believe after 29 sobriety a member gets completely new understanding of step two i'm fernando i'm an alcoholic and your secretary for this meeting let's go ahead and open it with the lord's prayer please our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name After 29 years of sobriety, a member gets a completely new understanding of Step 2. Sometimes I go to Friday Night Came to Believe meeting. The last one I went to was, as usual, well worth it. At this particular meeting, the format calls for the meeting leader to give a short introduction and choose a selection from our AA Big Book Came to Believe. The group members take turns reading paragraphs and then the meeting opens for individual sharing. Last week's meeting was really uplifting. To be precise, I received a completely new understanding of step two. After 29 years of sobriety, I am always amazed when such a thing happens, but it's not uncommon. When I first started attending meetings in 1986, my sponsor walked me through the steps, the part in step one that says, We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable, was really easy for me. But I was an atheist. So step two in which we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore sanity, frustrated me. First of all, the passive instruction came to believe told me to relax, wait, and accept that an idea that was alien to me would somehow take hold of me. I was too impatient to relax and wait for something. I knew what wasn't there. So I skipped step two and moved on to make a decision to turn my will and my life over the care of God that I did not understand at all. And it worked. I moved on to the additional steps before I eventually dealt with step two. I have not picked up a drink since. My spiritual progress has always been up and down. It is difficult to sort out my journey. In retrospect, I think that at five years or so in AA, I believe in a higher power that who or which has some kind of control of the universe and conscious concern for me and my place in the system. I remember trying to explain the concept of a higher power to my father, who informed me that I was a mystic. I was unschooled in the esoteric forms of spirituality and began doing some reading but I was unsure about exactly what I believed. Since then, however, I have come convinced that there is no God who has a purpose for me, who loves me, and who will protect me. It will certainly be nice to know that this God existed, but I can't give up on my rationality. I do believe that if there is a God who behaves as others, AA members describe he or she or it will certainly forgive me for not believing, so it doesn't really bother me. What I do have is a higher power. This belief I can easily accept without abandoning my rationality. When I came into AA, I believed that there was no higher power in the universe other than me, and yet I was powerless. This meant that no matter what I did, there was no hope. So there was nothing to lose by taking the steps, listening to other alcoholics, and not questioning the program. As long as I didn't have to turn over my will and my belongings to a human leader like the Moonies did in the 60s. If I try to explain my higher power, it makes about as much sense as I try to explain God. My higher power is not anything like the usual description of God's. If anything, it's probably closer to the teaching of the Buddhist religion. What I have come to learn is that I can acquire by attending AA meetings and talking to other alcoholics, about giving and accepting help. A feeling of security and unity with the world that I do not get from individual people or even from groups of people. This sense of security is a level above that. Knowledge of my own powerlessness is essential to my understanding of a higher power, and I experience a wonderful sense of trust. It's not that I feel like nothing will ever go wrong or that all that goes wrong will be fixed. I'm, I'm simply aware that whatever happens, I will not have to go through it alone. The first time I felt this was in my second week of sobriety. My sponsor told me to pray. I responded that I did not believe in God. He suggested that I pray anyway, and I took his suggestion. There was no flash of light or sudden flood of belief. When I first came to AA, I had a distinct impression that I was literally falling into self-destruction and that I had no way to stop the plunge. I lost nothing to try my sponsor's approach. Being rational and minded was a, a, a lot less important than stopping my own destruction. You can all guess what happened, I stopped falling. That was proof enough for me that AA worked and it hasn't stopped working for me since and it has worked while my belief system has gone from atheism to a kind of a general deism and back to atheism at least according to most definitions of the word what keeps me going to meetings in on a basic level is that I hear other AAs tell stories that remind me what life was like 29 years ago I hear what happens when people stop going to meetings forget their stories and pick up a drink but I have to admit that this sometimes overwhelming sense of security safety and trust and belonging that I get from an AA meeting surpasses anything everything else more often than not I go to a meeting out of habit not expecting anything and I'm surprised when this serenity enters me I know I am not giving serenity to myself I don't believe it is the 30 other people in the meeting who are giving it to me my mystical side tells me that There's something above all all of us that is there for the taking. If we accept it, perhaps this is not only a creation of the group of people at the meeting, but for me, it is my higher power. I want to make it clear that I do not want to convince anyone that my way of thinking is right. It's a lot easier to believe in God, but if you can't, don't worry about it. Accept the things you cannot change, you can stay sober. One last point, if it helps. You can change the second step from a passive to an active step. Come to meetings to believe in a power greater than yourself. I don't know why this understanding of the step did not enter my mind for 29 years, but at that wonderful meeting last week, it did. Coming to believe. came to believe chapter 10 bill w said in all our affairs service gladly rendered obligations squarely met troubles well accepted or solved with god's help the knowledge that at home or in the world outside we are partners in a common effort the fact that in god's sight all human beings are important The proof that love freely given brings a full return. The certainty that we are no longer isolated and alone in self-constructed prisons. The surety that we can fit and belong in God's scheme of things. These are the satisfactions of right living for which no pomp and circumstance, no heap of material possessions could possibly be substituted. Bill W. We walked this way. After nearly 10 years of sitting on a bar stools, backing away from jobs and running from people, I brought me and my drinking problem to Alcoholics Anonymous. It was not the most thrilling end that I could think of for a newly married young woman, but I have to admit that an unmanageable life would not be helpful to the baby I was expecting. Still, since my husband had joined AA before we met, life seemed to be really complete once I became part of the fellowship, too. I had been sober three months when our first child was born. One year and one month later, the second child arrived. Our third AA baby was born one year and four months after the second, so my progress in AA was marked by three little girls. I couldn't imagine anyone feeling more fulfilled than I did on the third anniversary of my sobriety. Then came a turning point. All of a sudden, I felt completely at odds with the AA way of life. A doctor confirmed our worst fears when he announced that something was seriously wrong with our youngest child. Muscular dystrophy was suspected but hospital studies disproved that diagnosis. We were left with a vague definition of our little girl's problem. The doctor who had been called for consultation categorized her disability under the heading of cerebral palsy. None offer hope for her recovery and an orthopedic specialist told us flatly that our daughter would never walk. In the face of one pessimistic prediction after another, I wilted. Certainly I knew that this was a time when my daughter needed whatever strength her mother could muster. I seemed to have none. My husband retained his faith. He had a positive belief that the doctors would prove to be mistaken. He never doubted that our daughter would walk. Our AA friends also had this positive belief in the child's recovery. They did their best to revive my fast-dying energies and these positive forces of loving faith caused me to release my progress in the AA program. Reassess my progress, sorry. I was sober, but I had, but had I turned my will over to the care of God as I understand him. What was I doing about it? Conscious contact with my higher power was the ten-step part of my daily life or only a one stride effort most of the answers were negative this meant that while my daughter might be in a hopeless situation physically i was functioning in a way destined to retard any progress she might make spiritually and mentally there was no other solutions than to get out of the child's way and work on myself in the years that followed My AA activity was increased. I reached out for my higher power, God, as I have never reached before. Then one day, our daughter walked. I had accidentally let it go of her hand. Our reaction to this was the same as your reaction to the people in the scripture, to the lame man's walking, wonder and amazement. At this point, she is 12 years old, and medical authorities have called her progress unprecedented i'm still haunted by a neurologist statement that her coordination is controlled by her mental processes so long as her spirit remains free and alert her physical activity is enthusiastic and unhappy when her spirit is dampened activity falters what better lesson could i need this child is my textbook on how it works From day to day that I let go mentally to the day that I let go physically, she progressed beyond anyone's fondest dreams and hopes. I now try to follow her lead in working my AA program. As a profound thinker, once said, self-reliance is ultimately reliance on God. How can this truth be denied when personal experience shows it to be so? From Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Our next letter is entitled, From Loneliness to Solitude. From Loneliness to Solitude. I'm lonely, I'm lonely, is the cry of drinking alcoholics all over the face of the earth. In a lonely room, in a crowded bar, in the heart of a family gathering, on a street in the midst of hundreds of people, Then, in contradiction, people would get on our nerves and we would go off by ourselves to get away from it all. But this didn't work either. We could not endure for long the burden of our dark thoughts. We tried hard to remove our aloneness with the bottle, and for a little while we could, but not for long. When we hit bottom and realized we could not go on as we were, By the grace of God, we found ourselves thrust into an unbearable aloneness, separated from everything and everybody. Thus separated, we were able to look at our lives, our problems, the hopelessness of our situation. Only now could we ask questions and give answers and make decisions. Now we could make a decision to do something about our drinking and living problems. There are two sides of man's being alone in our language. Loneliness expressed the pain of being alone. Solitude expressed the glory of being alone. What happens to us in AA that makes it possible for us not only to endure, but to enjoy moments of solitude? What changes our loneliness to solitude? The love and understanding we find in AA are a productive curtain between ourselves and the aching aloneness of our drinking days. The first few weeks, some of us spend most of our time in AA club talking with others, then it becomes evident that we must go to work and somehow meet the demands and responsibilities of our daily lives. We are afraid. Will the old loneliness hit us again when we are out? Of the actual presence of other AA members? Sooner or later, by practicing the principles of the 12 Steps, we find ourselves a very precious thing. Something inside of that we can be comfortable with, regardless of whether we are at home, by ourselves, or anywhere else that life takes us. AA members are not emotional cripples. We need someone to hold who need someone to hold their hands every morning of the day and night to prevent their falling. We grow up with the help of God as we understand Him and the fellowship of the program and by applying the 12 steps to our lives. As the sober weeks go by, we can enjoy and treasure the few moments of solitude we are able to find in the rush and hurry of life today. When we cease to fear loneliness and begin to share us and use our solitude to advantage, we have come a long way. We realize a little solitude is necessary to think and to try to work some of the steps. In solitude, we take our inventories. In solitude, we admit to ourselves the exact nature of our wrongs. In solitude, our spirits seek the power greater than our, we are. In solitude, we seek through prayer and meditation to be aware of God's will for us. Solitude can be sought and experienced in many ways. In the silence of nature, in reading poetry, and listening to music, in looking at pictures, and in sincere thoughtfulness, we are alone but not lonely. Yet these experiences cannot answer all the questions in our minds, so we return to the world of men. Some of us long to become creative in some realm of life, but we cannot become or remain creative without solitude. One hour of conscious solitude will enrich our creativity far more than hours of trying to learn the creative process. Solitude is not easy. Sometimes we can find it only by remaining silent and allowing our souls to sigh without words to God. This we can do even in a crowded day and a crowded room, even under the most difficult external conditions. No one can take these moments from us. The center of our being, the innermost self, that that is the ground of our aloneness, is elevated to the divine center and taken into it. Let me read that again. No one can take these moments from us. The center of our being... The innermost self that is the ground of our aloneness is elevated to the divine center and taken into it. Only in a movement that rises right first to God and then returns from Him to the other person can we find communion with others. Only in a movement that rises first to God and then returns from Him to the other person can we find communion with others. Even love is reborn in solitude, for only in solitude can those who are alone reach those from whom they are separated. One hour of solitude may bring us closer to those we love than many hours of communication. We can take them with us to the hills of eternity. (laughs) From Houston, Houston, Texas. Our next letter is happiness. To arrive at a working definition of happiness in my attempts to apply the blueprint of AA to rebuilding a shattered life, I tried first to recall the happiness we chased in the old days. I suspected that for most of us, happiness was equated with bliss. In booze, we reached the euph- eu- euphoria released from even the faintest threat of responsibility. We wanted insulation against the urging clanging of the world around us, a soft birth on a languid cloud, and for fleeting moments just before the curtain of oblivion cranked down, we did drift into the never-never state. Then they said, Come into AA, we'll help you maintain sobriety and you'll know real happiness. The sobriety was real, but suddenly so was the world, a harsh and pitless place we had never fully faced before. Where was this highly touted stuff called happiness? A le- latter-day philosophy has said that happiness is not something we experience, it is something we remember. Still at the risk of sounding unfashionable, I'll say, I am very happy. Let me hasten to, the, to that. None of what I now possess came easy. For me, it has been and is a tough grind. Relinquishing the prerogative of chronic brattery never comes easy. But early in the game, I needed definitions. Serenity. A word we use from the moment we struggle into our first AA meeting was from the start a tricky one. It seems to mean anything from Sanford rice size, snag proof fully guaranteed bliss to the ability to maintain a stiff upper lip when things don't go our way. I have heard the serenity prayer chanted as an incantation to wield a spell against temptation a wand to wave away all unpleasantness. For what is worth, my own definition of serenity evolves something like this. It appears to me that most of the wrenching turmoil in people's lives, whether or not they are alcoholic, derives from too stubborn persistence in trying to resolve insoluble problems. That is why the philosophy contained in the serenity prayer is one of the most important guidelines I found in AA accept the things you cannot change so simple if the problem cannot be solved today why simply drop it i grant that this is not always easy it takes self-discipline a faculty infrequently found in newly sober alcoholics on the other hand problems which can be solved provide the real excitement in life the daily challenge to grapple with and master the conflicts encountered from dawn to dark is stimulating. But the last line of the serenity prayer contains the clinker, the wisdom to know the difference between soluble and insoluble situations as one who is more most suspicious of his wisdom since sobering up anyway. I find that substituting the word honesty for wisdom often furnishes the clue to the answer I'm seeking. The second tenet of the serenity prayer is too frequently slurred over. I am constantly amazed at the number of so-called obstacles I have overcome after giving them a second look, mustering what meager resources I have, then taking the whole in hand. Serenity to me, therefore, is the absence of insoluble conflict, and it is up to me first to determine Whether, after an honest look at myself, I can cope with the program, then to decide whether it is to be tackled, passed over to another day, or dismissed forever. We can establish goals with realistic horizon if we maintain rigorously honest recognition of our limitations. Winning. Winning the daily skirmishes involved in achieving the, the these goals is exciting these are the real tricks kicks the charles adams house i am attempting to rebuild will never do be the taj mahal but it will be my own handiwork with all its quirks and do it yourself and build in bloodstain and bloopers of enthusiasm Unrelieved by any real talent in this department. I will never grow tomatoes the size of my neighbors, but my puny little produce tastes better on my table than his beauties would. For the first time, I'm giving an employee employer a fair shake, and I know the warmth and satisfaction of working on a team, of contributing my tiny share to a successful whole. The only gallery and painting we'll ever adorn runs between our living room and the front hall, but dabbling in a new field is fun, and things are improving, even if I'm the only one who can see the change. Our school budget was defeated, but at last I had the satisfaction of knowing we put up a good fight. Imagine even being interested in Such a thing in the old days? Wait until next year. I barely knew the family. I lost to booze. My present wife and children direct divinity, divine dividends of sobriety give me the greatest joy. Never in my life before AA had I really done anything for anyone. Yet even today I can't quite catch up, for I still receive more than I can ever give. There is only one thing as beautiful as the face of a four-year-old boy at a story-telling time, and this and that is the face of his little sister. So happiness to me is fulfillment, the satisfaction gained from knowing that you, knowing that you did the best you honestly evaluated limitations would permit. You know the last phases of living. Happiness is gratitude for the miracle which granted another go around at life once un- abandoned. Happiness is growing up. It is learning to recognize all the things you really have. Happiness is far-experienced. as well as remembering, from New Heartland, New York. Thank you for reading. The opening of the spiritual world came to believe chapter one bill w says do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they might mean to you this is chapter one the opening of the spiritual world aa is a spiritual program And a spiritual way of life, even the first half of the first step, we admit it, we were powerless over alcohol. It's a spiritual experience. An AA member needs more than physical capabilities. He needs the use of his full faculties as a human being to hear the message, to think about it, to review the effects of the past, to realize, to admit, and to accept. These processes are activities of the mind, which is part of the spirit. Yes, I began with blind faith, but the proof of the truth is this, that it works. I believe those who said they had suffered from alcoholism, but through AA were not enjoying sobriety. So the truth was there for me to see, but shortly I knew the truth from my own experience. I was not only released from the compulsion of a drink. I was guided toward a compulsion to live. AA also made me very aware by the constant repetition of my freedom of choice and this is the human faculty of willpower. As time has gone on in sobriety, I have been offered and have used the opportunity to learn more about humanity by learning more about myself. I now realize that when I I first said at an AA meeting, my name is Tom and I am an alcoholic, I was expressing the first truth I had known about myself. Think of the spirituality in such statements. My name tells me that I am a human being. The fact that I can know it, think about it, and communicate it reinforces my humanity and makes me aware and excited that I am. This then became the opening to the spiritual world. With the guidance of the program and the encouragement and examples within the fellowship, I could begin to find out about myself and be prepared to accept what I found. I learned in the fellowship that if others could accept me and love me as I was, then I should love myself as I was, not for what I was, but for what I could become. So I have learned a little about my mind and about my will, and about my emotions and passions. I have learned that I can be a good human being, although an imperfect one, that when I consciously live in the real world, sanity, each good day helps to counterbalance the past. My religion didn't give me a... AA a gave me greater strength in my religion. The simple contrast between active alcoholism and active sobriety has helped me to seek, to listen, and to apply the good principles of living, and I am rewarded with much more excitement and joy than what was mine before AA. Sobriety, by accepting this sobriety gratefully as a gift and using it willingly, I have become aware of other gifts available to me as a human being. To get the benefits, I need only to ask and then use. Ask and use. This is the crux of the program and the crux of living. Acceptance and action. The gift of understanding has allowed the simple message from my parents, my teachers, and my church to take on new meaning and soundness. With the gift of serenity, I am ready and willing to accept what God permits to happen to me with the gift of courage to take action to change the things I can for the good of myself and others. The gift of wisdom has been given to me so that in personal relationships I may act intelligently and with love as it has also been expressed with competence and compassion. Now I am trying to grasp the idea of living inside out. The big book, as Bill sees it, The AA Way of Life 24 Hours a Day, the meaning, the experience, the consciousness of change in myself, in my thinking, my choices, and my habits. All these are spiritual. There is the spirituality of the AA Way of Life, which simply makes us aware of our individual inner resources. There is no materialism in AA, just spirituality. If we take care of our needs, inner needs, our other needs will be provided for. I have come to believe that the gift of sobriety is what gives value and dignity to my life. It is this that I have to share, and it grows as it is shared. El Cerrito, California, Anonymous. Beautiful, beautiful words of life. Our next story comes to us from Egremont, England. How fortunate we are. I call King Lodchard my spiritual home. It is a wee hamlet nestling in a valley between the hills and of the banks of Lodge Ard. I never tired of gazing across the to the forest on their far side, with its hundreds of shades of green reflecting the surface of the lodge. Peregrine, peregrine falcons are nesting on the crags above, and the heron slowly wings its way up to the lodge, to its nest in the huge trees on a small island. The swans, mellard, and great-backed ducks share the banks with sandpipers and coots and a few fishermen casting for trout. Sometimes I can see far up the hill a stag and a hen cry, crossing clearly, and I am lucky a couple of otters playing at the rocks beside the lodge. Peace prevails. When I first discovered King's low chart, I was one of my, on one of my prolonged binges. Even then, the beauty and tranquility got through the alcoholic haste now that i have sobriety i try to visit this place of rest twice a year at least and marvel at the majesty of our creator i see no beauty in art sculpture and architect are man-made and cannot rival the creator's work how can we hope to better the master who taught us how fortunate we alcoholics are to have a malady which compels us to seek recovery through the spiritual. Our next story comes to us from Maryland. A.A. is a philosophy. A religion properly properly is a divine origin, governs the person and his relationship with his higher power, and promises his rewards and punishment after death. A philosophy is of human origin governs the person in his relationship with his fellow man, the promises it rewards and punishment during life. AA, I submit, is a philosophy. If we alcoholics follow that philosophy of AA, we can regain an understanding of our several religions. In his own individual right, Spiritual is, spirituality is an awakening. This is our next story, and that comes to us through New York, New York, in his own individual right. Spirituality is an awakening, or is it at all that loose ends woven together into a mellow fabric? It's understanding, or is it all the knowledge one never ever known? It's freedom, if you consider fear slavery. It's confidence, or is it the belief that a higher power will see you through any storm or gale? It's adhering to the dictates of your consciousness, or is it a deep, genuine living concern for the people on the planet? It's peace of mind in the face of adversity. It's a keen and sharpened desire for survival. It's a man or a woman. It's gratitude for every happy intense of the past that brought you to moments of justice. It's the joy of being a young man in a young world. It's awareness or it's realization of one's capabilities and limitations. It's concentration or it is an easy sensing of the universe is seeing a mystical power for good in each and every human being is patience in the face of stupidity is feeling you want to knock somebody's head off and walk it away instead it's when you you're down past your last dime and you know you still have something that money can't buy it's wearing dungarees that feel like tuxedo it's wanting to go home yet being there it's a rocket ride that goes far beyond the world your eye can see. It's looking at something that superficially is ugly but radiates beauty. It's a majestic skyline or a western city. It's a young girl. It's been... It's seen a caterpillar turn into a butterfly. It's the awareness that survival is a savage fight between you and yourself. It is a magnetic force magnetic pull towards those who are down and out it's knowing they that even the bad times are good don't look back you haven't seen anything yet when people look at you and wonder what's with you the look in your eyes will answer them because i can cut it the singular thing that especially cannot be given to a fellow man by word of mouth If every if every man is to have it, then every man must earn it in his own way by his own hands, stamped by the seal of himself in his own individual right. When people look at you again and wonder what's with you, they look in in your eyes. They look in your eyes will answer them because I can cut it. That singular thing, that is spirituality, cannot be given to a fellow man by word of mouth. Every man is to have have it. Then every man must earn it in his own way, by his own stamp, by the seal of himself, in his own individual right, New York, New York. Thank you so much for reading this today. We got one more short one. This one from Modesto, California. During a meeting one day, I remarked that I was just tickled to death with this AA program, all about the spiritual side of it. After the meeting, another member came up to me and said, I like that remark you made about how you like the program, about the spiritual part of it we got a little time. Why don't we talk about the other side of it? The, that ended the conversation. Modesto, California. Thank you so much for coming on today. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, lift up His crowns and give you peace. Establish you in every wish way. Amen. Here we go. Thank you. Hi, welcome to today's reading or podcast. I have a a challenge with one of my sponsees is to read a portion of the Bible every day. And I promise him that it happened to me that life will change. Life will take on a new meaning. and uh, I mean, life like physical fitness, uh, social resources, and helping others. So I'm going to read you a portion of what I read on a daily basis as part of my agreement. And that's the 1 uh, the John chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And I'm in the library. I'm in the local library of Antioch, California. The kids just got out of school. It Emptied out. There's only a couple of them left. But boy, was it busy in here. Well, let's go ahead and, and pray <clears throat> god my grant grant me your will lord your desires and your ability to read to learn and to seek your presence in these words lord thank you for being inside your word and let us bring the word alive lord that only you can do in jesus name we pray amen <clears throat> what was heard and seen and touched that which was from the beginning, which was we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which you have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Chapter 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young man, because you know you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young man, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, and they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teaches you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and it is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him. at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, but because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed that we shall be But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. If you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has either seen him or know him. Little children, let not one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know the love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the wor- this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shoves up his heart from him and does not love God abiding him, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are the tr- of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandment abides in him and he in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard, was coming and now is already in the world. You are of God, little children, and hover have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world they are of the world therefore they speak of the world and the world hears them we are of God he who knows God hears us he who is not of God does not hear us by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this is the love of God, was manifested to us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And in this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins beloved if God so love us we also ought to love one another no one has seen God at any time if we love one another God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son, a Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in him, in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness, in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in the world there's no fear in love but perfect love cast it out all fear because fear involves torment but he who fears does not has not been made perfect in love we love him because he first loved us If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has not seen, how can he love God whom he has seen? In this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begots also loves him, who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, that we Love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is how he who came by water and by blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood and and it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth for there are three who bear witness in heaven the father and the word and the calendar father the word and the holy spirit the calendar and these three are one and there are three that bear witness on earth the spirit the water and the blood and these three agree as one If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed this testimony that God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions of Him. The petitions that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees a brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life forever, forevermore. He will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that He should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is. There is sin sin not leading to death. We know that that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that, that we are God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. If we know the Son of God has come and has given us the understanding, That we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, and his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen.